Hello, this is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And if you've been following PCOS Diva for a while, then you know that our core philosophy is that food is truly medicine. And I think one uh, aspect of food that we don't really um, address at a real deep level here at PCOS Diva is fermented food. And I wanted to reach out to an expert in fermentation to give us a, a greater sense of the healing benefits of of this category of healing food. So I've reached out to Summer Bach, and Summer is a master fermentationist who really guides people to experience a deeper level of healing. Her mission is to radically improve people's health while empowering them to revolutionize the local food system using delicious local and healthy food. She's a skilled herbalist with a background in microbiology, and she's certified by the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And Summer has created an avid following with her signature programs, the probiotic power cleanse, the gut rebuilding, and her year-long fermentationist certification program. So, Summer, I'm so excited you're here with us today. Thanks. I am really excited to talk about this with you. Every time we've talked so far, it's just we start geeking out really quickly. I love it. Well, with PCOS, and, and I know from my own experience healing my body, I mean, food truly was medicine. Taking out the wrong type of food and putting in the right, is it's amazing what it can do to help manage your PCOS symptoms. And something that has really helped me, and I see it with my clients, that have acne. Now, I acne is one of those really pesky PCOS symptoms that can often be really hard to get under control. But I want you to tell us um, right away, first off, you know, what is the benefit of fermented food for acne? And it's something that I've seen the power of, but from a fermentationist, like, tell us what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way that I view the body and especially the skin is that, you know, we have the way that our body excretes toxins, and I call that our channels of elimination, uh, and then we have ways that toxins are produced, e- either inside the body or from the food that we eat. So when it comes to acne, a lot of times we're looking at the skin, which is the largest organ of elimination, being completely backed up. Because the skin normally just excretes sweat. That's its waste product that it's in charge of. And then when you see acne or eczema or psoriasis, it means that that person's the, the rest of the channels of elimination are clogged, and some of the other channels of elimination are the liver, the colon, kidneys, blood, lymph, lungs. And when these other channels of elimination are taxed, it starts dumping excess toxins out through the skin. And generally, when I work with my clients who are dealing with skin issues, the first place that we look is the gut. Um, we go to the gut because the gut tends to be the center of toxicity for people if they're unhealthy. And so the reason is is because, yeah, I mean, the reason is it's so toxic is because many people have the wrong organisms growing in their gut. And when you see issues like acne or you see other, uh, you know, gut-based issues, uh, one of them is what we call candida. I don't know if people in your world are dealing with candida on a regular basis and talking about this. 
I think it's 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 definitely something that um, for some people is you know it's on the radar. It's not something that you would get a diagnosis at the um, you know regular allopath um, you know your OBGYN. It doesn't typically say that you have candida. It's often you know women are know that something is going on. Why are they having these sugar cravings? And they might have some skin issues. And it's not until you start going online and digging deeper that you find out, well, gee, maybe I have candida. And I do have an article about it on PCOS Diva. Um, but tell us a little bit more about what you think the, the relationship with candida and the gut is. Yeah, so, well, what I have what I've figured out is that essentially you have all these bacteria living in your gut, right? You have, hopefully they're probiotics. Hopefully they're good bacteria. All the good guys are living there. What happens um, to most people to get that imbalance is they take antibiotics, usually too many times. Birth control pills is a big one that causes an imbalance there in the gut. Um, stress is actually a huge factor in this, and that doesn't matter if it's emotional stress, physical stress, trauma. Stress is a huge factor in imbalancing the gut. Um, also, uh, processed foods and low nutrient foods. So if you're not feeding those healthy beneficial bacteria, like they need food, and if you're not feeding them, they will they'll die. So with that's like most people, right? Like I that was me. <laughs> I've experienced Absolutely. all of those things. And uh what it does is it kills off that like beautiful ecosystem. There's all these amazing bacteria, all different kinds growing together, hanging out in your colon essentially, and they're helping you digest your food. They're producing vitamins on site, vitamins B and K, and then your body absorbs them immediately. And, you know, they're protecting our immune system. They're working with our hormones. They're, they're doing, there's so many functions. And this is something that we've only really recently discovered and even put any kind of stock in. So it's pretty amazing. So if you, ta- if you destroy that beautiful habitat, essentially what happens is the wrong bacteria start growing. You might get candida, which is a yeast. And you'll get a bunch of other bacteria. They call this dysbiosis. I call it the human sewer (laughs) because when you have the wrong bacteria growing in the gut, they're eating the food that you eat, and then they are excreting. And the difference between good bacteria and bad bacteria is that bad bacteria have excretions that are toxic for the human body. And so with all these toxins being excreted within the gut, they have to be eliminated somehow. And that's when you'll start seeing them be eliminated through the skin or you start seeing them, um, like, drag your energy levels down. Sometimes people even get a little bit more imbalanced emotionally, a lot of mood swings or depression, things like this. It's all connected to this human sewer situation. That So you're saying, I am just um, want to reiterate for our listeners, that when you have an, an overabundance of the bad bacteria, the waste products that these bad bacteria are excreting is what's causing the imbalance, the moods, the mood swings, possibly, um, the and the acne, um, and some of, and even some hormonal dysregulation. Correct. Wow, I mean that's a huge aha. So, what can we do about this bad bacteria? Well, you know, that for me, that's where this whole concept of fermented foods comes in. So, I mean, I can just really quickly tell you about myself and, like, how, how 
I got into this because for me it was about being really sick. Um, I was struggling with food allergies. I had so many different food allergies. There's probably like 20 or 30 foods I could eat without having a reaction. Um, I had environmental allergies so bad that my eyes would swell up, like totally swell up when I was even around too much pollen or um, like dust mites, all the stuff in people's houses. I developed multiple chemical sensitivity, and that was that meant that I couldn't walk down the grocery store aisle that has all the laundry detergent because of the perfumes. It would just give me a migraine headache, and I'd get really nauseous. Um, I was having panic attacks. I had severe digestive problems and rashes. And, you know, I mean, it sounds pretty extreme, and for a while it really was. <laughs> it was very challenging. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you're just like, I'd go to the doctor, and the doctor would tell me I was normal and I was fine. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh, I'm not normal. Like, this is not okay. I can barely function. And I'm sure a lot of your people can relate to that, you know, where you're just like, I don't, I'm not okay, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so I um, I went to a lot of different doctors, did a whole bunch of stuff, and finally, um, you know, as a last resort, went back to my, my main physician, and she's like, Summer, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean I need your help, you know? And she's like, Seriously, like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to write your prescription for, like, some, you know, allergy medication. You're not going to fill it. I don't think it's going to do anything anyway. So what are you doing here? I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, she doesn't know how to help me. This is my last Like, This is the person that's supposed to save me. I am the most miserable I've ever been. I'm so uncomfortable and sick. And this person has no idea how to help me. And it's funny because I was working as a health coach at this time, and I'd learned how to eat so clean, and I was helping people, and she was sending her patients to me all the time. So I I left that day and realized something had to change, and I realized I needed to learn how to trust my own body. And from that point forward, I was going to heal my body, and I was just going to do it by listening to myself and learning how to do it, like whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes to heal my body. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. uh I delved into a bunch of research and just started trying to figure this out. And I was taking stuff for my liver because they say your liver is what causes allergies. I was taking all this stuff for digestion because my food allergies, you know, taking herbs for panic attacks to keep my anxiety down. Like I was taking all different things to deal with all these different what felt like separate parts of my body. Mm-hmm. And then I realized through this research that actually all of my symptoms were connected. And they were all connected by one common denominator, which was my gut. Mm. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, we're stopping everything else, and we're just going to focus on the gut. And I learned how to uh, focus on getting the right bacteria back in the body. And I was like, this it, it's a really tricky spot at first when you really have severe dysbiosis or candida. You have to figure out how to get the good bacteria in and the bad bacteria out without totally killing off the bad bacteria too quickly because that can cause you to get sick too. So mm-hmm. it's this it's, it's this interesting spot where you have to kind of, it's a delicate balance of figuring out um, how to regain health. And it takes a little, it takes a little bit of uh, patience and, and, and trial and error for, for people. But what I figured out was the most effective for me um, and for, for people that I now work with. I do, I do this work with my clients now on a very regular basis. Um, to help them rebuild their gut, is that uh, sauerkraut is an excellent way. Raw, I know this sounds so crazy. Some people are like, what? She said sauerkraut. Like, that's disgusting. Um, but raw, unpasteurized sauerkraut has these good bacteria living in it. 
Like that's actually present in the sauerkraut. And so does probiotics. You can take probiotics too. And I tried both. And what I realized was that the sauerkraut was actually a little bit more effective because it has constituents in it like the sour flavor that sauerkraut has is lactic acid. And the lactic acid actually has the ability to start killing off some of the candida and killing off some of the other bad bacteria. So you have this natural antibiotic and then you have all of these beneficial bacteria side by side in sauerkraut. It's a great way to start that process of healing. Mm. You know, the sauerkraut, I think it's something um, that I, I think about my grandmother who, you know, her parents were from, like, Lithuania and Poland. It's kind of like this old world sort of food um, that I guess is sort of making this comeback. But how do you integrate sauerkraut into your, you know, your daily um, meals? Like, what what does that look like? You just take yeah, a couple I mean, of tablespoons or... Yeah, that's what I recommend. I recommend two forkfuls a day for 30 days. Just start oh, there. All right. You know, I actually want people to start a little bit small because you're introducing new bacteria. If you do have candida or dysbiosis, which most people who are, who are you know, not healthy have some issues there. Um, mm-hmm. So I recommend starting small. And then after that 30 days is up, you know, you can try it more. You can eat like, you know, half a cup of a meal, which a lot of people will do amazingly. Um, my favorite way to eat it personally, is on salads. I put, I make a salad, and then I put hummus and sauerkraut on it, and I mix that up. And the, the hummus and the sauerkraut kind of serve as the dressing. It's like fatty and a little bit sour like vinegar. It's super yummy. Um, but you can eat it in the traditional ways, like on a brat or whatever if you really want. Uh, I know a lot of people who like to eat it with eggs, um, who put it on top of beans. You can even put it in soups. But you do want to make sure that when you are eating this, um, for healing purposes, like to use it as medicine, you're eating raw, unpasteurized sauerkraut, meaning you don't cook it. Okay. Um, and that's really important. And it's super important to know where to find this in the grocery store as well. It must be in the refrigerated section, you know, according to our laws in the U.S. at least. And I'm actually pretty sure worldwide at this point, um, it's going to be refrigerated. It's going to say unpasteurized on the side. It'll usually say raw. Uh, maybe cultured, but it needs to say unpasteurized. That means it hasn't been heated, so those live organisms are still growing. Any sauerkraut found on the shelf has been pasteurized and canned and is no longer a living uh, probiotic-rich food. Mm -hmm. So there's so many women that are listening um, that have PCOS, and they're on the birth control pill. They're on metformin, which depletes B vitamins. Um, you know, they're they're have, having crazy sugar and carb cravings, um, and they're possibly dealing with like a leaky gut from you know eating inflammatory foods like gluten and and um, for some people you know mil- milk products. So, do you think that adding that that two forkfuls a day of sauerkraut that um, women are really going to be able to start feeling a difference in their energy? I know you talked about that low energy, um, the mood problems, the anxieties, that, I mean, that's a huge issue for women with PCOS. Um, do, you, do you think that it could really make a difference? I do. I mean, I work with people all the time who try sauerkraut for the first time, and some of the, the biggest symptoms that people see relieved within the first week of eating it 
is constipation or diarrhea is usually cleared up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something to notice pretty quickly. A lot of people notice their sugar cravings decrease dramatically within that first week. And, um, and then the other one that people see fairly quickly is the skin starting to clear up. Mm-hmm. So those are like people are like, I look in the mirror and I like my skin looks better. How is that possible? You know, um, those are like, I would say those are the three top things. And then the sugar cravings, by having those go away, tend to help energy levels balance out a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, so people notice the energy, but I think it's a little bit uh, due to the stabilization of the sugar cravings. Um, so that's the main things you want to see at the beginning. But some people, it just, it just depends where you're at. It depends how sick you are. It kind of depends mm-hmm. how, how deep in the hole you are. You know, because I don't want people to take, like, to eat sauerkraut and not have a big, you know, amazing experience and just forego it. It's a very important food that's missing in the diet. And so even if you're not seeing effects right away, I would keep taking it. Um, I think this is really important. And I, I think just knowing that, like, if you are really sick, it, sometimes you just have to do a little bit more cleanup work. And that's kind of how I, you know, my, my big philosophy is um, cleanse and rebuild, rinse and repeat. So you cleanse mm-hmm. your body. You know, and you do a cleanse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like... Yeah, so I'll be body. doing a cleanse, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go ahead. When do you, uh, oh, no, I'll, yeah, in the new in the, um, in the early spring, we'll be doing a PCOS Diva cleanse. So, yeah, we'll be talking about that more um, coming up soon. But so yeah. cleansing and, um, you know, helping the liver, which you, you talked about earlier, um, you know, being able to process the toxins better and kind of clear those pathways... And then, yeah. and like, yeah, rebuilding with the the fermented foods. Yeah, and you're rebuilding. Rebuilding means rebuilding nutrient levels as well as your probiotic levels. It rebuilding means just getting your body to absorb more. Um, and you know, in the way that we've been living for the past, I don't know, probably like forty, fifty, sixty years, in at least in the United States, and and I know in other places as well. But especially here in the United States, I mean, the amount of processed foods um, eaten in this country is pretty crazy uh, because what that food does is it actually pulls nutrients out of the system um, and so does the bad bacteria. If you have bad bacteria living in the gut and they're excreting those toxins, your body uses up its minerals and vitamins to, to neutralize those toxins and help excrete them. So what you end up with is a very depleted body. You end up not having mm. enough nutrients for your body to do the healing work it needs to do, for the body to make the hormones in the right way that it needs to make the hormones, mm. and the body mm-hmm. ends up in a stressed-out, sick state. And so you have to do this, like, cleansing piece and then rebuilding and just go back and forth for a period of time until the body heals. And it's, if you cleanse for too long, you kind of end up depleting the body. And if you rebuild for too long, you're ignoring the fact that there are toxins that really do need to be excreted. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, a two pronged approach, um, mm-hmm. and then just avoiding the toxins to begin with, and then all of the processed food. I I don't think you know the the two forkfuls a day of sauerkraut. It's um, it, it's not going to be as beneficial if you're still drinking diet coke and you know eating processed packaged foods. So it it has to go hand in hand with you know a whole food based diet as well correct and honestly like you know 
for people with candida, I don't recommend um, kombucha as my number one, like, go-to for fermented food. But for people, just as, like, a quick tip for people who are struggling with Diet Coke addiction or, or any kind of, like, soda addiction, mm-hmm. I actually do think that kombucha is a good transition. It's a good way if you're just like, no, I have to have that. Like, you can go to the store and get kombucha and drink a fizzy drink that does give you energy, makes you feel good. <laughs> and look on the label. If you get, like, the GTs one, there are bacteria. They add bacteria in that that, are, that have been shown to be helpful with uh, digestive uh, unrest. So Okay. I think we might have to back up a minute because I don't know if, yeah, if sure. um, many of our listeners know what kombucha is. or Maybe you could sure. spell that for us and um, just sure, tell sure. us a little bit more about what that is. So kombucha is spelled K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. And kombucha is a tea that originates either in China or Russia from like thousands and thousands of years ago. And both countries are fighting for it to be originated in their country it's really sweet (laughs) it's mine no it's mine um so it's a it's a bizarre fermented food i will say like you know it's it's um it really is black tea this is going to sound crazy and you might mix this right on the spot but it's black tea and sugar and they're mixed together and then they're fermented and they're fermented with a, a it's called a scoby, a kombucha scoby, and it's a bacterial and yeast community. It's just, it looks like a mushroom, and it floats on top of the tea. And it ferments it, and it ferments a lot of the sugar out. The caffeine is still there, but it ferments the sugar out, and it makes some lactic acid and some acetic acid, and it has some of these other natural antibiotics occurring. So when you drink it, you are helping to get the, the bacteria right in your gut, um, and it's a great way to get some caffeine without doing the whole soda route, which is not ideal. I mean, honestly, like as much as I, I've had my fair share of Mountain Dew and Coca-Cola, I live in the I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the first Coca-Cola bottling city, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we people people don't like people don't say, oh Sprite or whatever. They're like, what kind of Coke do you want here? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I just think that like. If you can switch over to something that's going to be significantly healthier for you, kombucha really is going to be a much better option. In the long term, I don't think that people should be drinking kombucha all the time. I really don't. Like it's it's still it's like got some of the sugar in it. It has the black tea. Like ult, ult, like to be your ultimate healthy person. On down the road, it's probably not the best option, but for that transition, it is an excellent mm-hmm. option. Yeah, I, I do enjoy a kombucha. I, I usually pick one up when I go grocery shopping, so I'm probably drinking one or two a week. Is how is great? That, is that about the right dose? I think that's great. That... I think that's great. Okay. Yeah, I I don't think it's something like for the for the person who's like past their their uh, their soda addiction. Um, I recommend not. It's not something you want to do every day. And, it, and traditionally, it was um, you know drinking like two to four ounce shots per day like we're talking about you know when you go to the store you get a 16 ounce bottle and most of us drink it in one sitting so kombucha mm-hmm. was really meant to be drinking uh drinking smaller amounts and it was it was enjoyed in a culture that had a very low sugar content overall mm-hmm. and that's why i don't recommend it unless somebody has like basically zero sugar in their diet and then they can tolerate the kombucha fine 
Okay, so so maybe it's just drinking it, like buying the bottle and drinking it in, in smaller doses. Um, I know I enjoy the JT's, um, like the Synergy uh, Cosmic Cranberry. Mm-hmm. If anybody's wanting to try it, so I think it's a, a easy way to ease yourself into the kombucha world. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I personally um, like their mango one. I'm a big fan oh, of their really? mango one. Yeah, that's I'll have to try that favorite. one. But yeah, it's GTs or whatever. And I, I, yeah, I mean, just to be clear, because I don't want to confuse people, because I just said kind of like two different opinions. Mm -hmm. I really do want to be clear. I'm talking to two different groups of people, right? It's like kombucha, for the person who's like transitioning off of Diet Coke or whatever, you're going to be drinking that in replacement of the Diet Coke in the same quantities, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, eventually, Whenever, you know, I don't want to, like, set you up, but, like, so that's you. And then the the other person I'm talking to is somebody who doesn't have that issue, who isn't, you know, like, needing caffeine or needing that fix, but, um, you know, is interested in kombucha or interested in bringing more fermented foods in their life and has tried it maybe and likes it. I'm just saying for that person, you don't want to be drinking it every day. And if you are, you're drinking really small shots of it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's perfectly clear. Um, maybe, you know, as, and, and I probably should have started the interview talking a little bit more and asking you about what is fermented, you know, what are fermented foods, what is a fermentationist. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, now that we're kind of um, wrapping up our call, maybe you could just sort of give us an overview and maybe just point out a couple other um, fermented foods uh, that, you know, people should know about. Sure. Well, so fermentation is the process. Um, I mean, on a scientific level, fermentation is the process by which um, organisms or, 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 you know, muscles in our body, uh, but it's cells create energy without oxygen. That's like the the dorky scientific version of it. Um, So, like, when we're exercising and we're running and we are going so hard that we run out of oxygen, we our muscles switch over to fermentation as a way to create energy, and the byproduct is lactic acid. That's why you get lactic acid buildup in your muscles. What's crazy and awesome and cool is that bacteria, there are bacteria out there that that's their main way that they breathe, essentially. They don't breathe through oxygen. They do, they, they do it through this whole, they create energy through fermentation. And so what we do as humans is we've learned how to use these bacteria to our advantage, but we're also like living in symbiosis with them. So when it comes to historical uses of fermentation, we started fermenting foods to preserve them. We started fermenting things to make them last longer. So what we discovered eons ago is that when you, uh, like, take a whole bunch of sauerkraut, like a whole bunch of cabbage, and you add a bunch of salt to it, and you pack it down into a crock real tight, and you let it sit, like, in the cellar (laughs) for a couple months, it turns into sauerkraut. It it sours, and that sourness preserves it, and no nothing else grows on it. And then you have a way to eat um, your cabbage and your vegetables and your vitamin C and all these things that you need during the winter when vegetables don't normally grow. Because back in the day, there were there was no refrigeration. Back in the day, there was no California where we could ship everything from California to us and eat fresh vegetables in the middle of the winter. That wasn't how it was. And so the same thing with, um, like, yogurt is, a, is probably the most 
popular fermented food in this country. Um, but like historically, it was kefir, and there's this, which is another kind of fermented food. And essentially, what was done is like this product was created as a way to allow milk to sour in a stable way so that it would last for weeks. Because otherwise, I mean, milk was such a hot commodity back in the day. Again, it's like high in fat. It's very nutritious. When food wasn't so abundant as it is today, milk, we did not want milk to go bad, but we also needed to be able to milk animals and have it last. And so they, there was this discovery of how to sour it in a controlled way. And over time, we developed these very detailed and, and uh, methods of fermentation and, and start to perfect those processes. You know, beer is fermented. And again, back in the day, beer was fermented to help create a more nutritious food. It was a way of extracting nutrients from grain. I mean, there are, there are monks that used to do beer fasts. I can't, I mean, I can't even imagine doing a beer fast, <laughs> but I, I think that their alcohol content was really low and they were getting tons of B vitamins when they were doing this. It was like, it was like drinking grain, like a grain slurry or something, you know, I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of gross, but, you know, it was a way of extracting more nutrients. And that's the cool thing about fermented foods. When you ferment things, it it increases the nutritional content of that food. It makes it more accessible. So what we focus on with fermentationists, like fermentationists, I, I train people in, as a fermentationist, and um, we teach you how to use fermented foods as medicine, how to distinguish which ones have probiotics in it. Like, as you can tell from this conversation already, I mean, there's a lot of different fermented foods that I'm starting to, like, talk about. They each have their own properties. Some of them have no probiotics in them, but are just good for, you know, preserving that food or enhancing nutrient assimilation. And some ferments are created just because they taste good, you know. Um, Like, vinegar doesn't have probiotics in it. Beer does not have probiotics in it. Um, chocolate is fermented. It does not have probiotics in it. So what we're really looking for in the world of fermented foods as medicine is uh, establishing a healthy gut, um, what's called microbiota. So establishing a healthy community of bacteria living in the gut. And those bacteria, when you have them living and proliferating and growing and very happy, they will protect you from, they'll keep you from getting sick they will literally, like, keep you from getting the cold. They'll keep you from getting the flu. Um, they will produce vitamins on site that your body absorbs, so you're going to be more nutrient-dense your own self and healthier for that. Um, and they help communicate to all different parts of your body. They help work with the hormones. Some bacteria even work with the thyroid hormones and help conjugate them and make them work better. Um it's just crazy. I mean, they have all these amazing functions. We've barely discovered all of them. They know that um, people with healthy bacteria in their gut are less prone to anxiety and depression and in general have better moods overall, which I believe. <laughs> As somebody who's experimented on myself, I can attest to that. Yeah, And that's so important for women with PCOS. And I really um, think of women with PCOS you know, we tend to be overfed and aren't undernourished, and, you know, our body just doesn't, I don't think, assimilates um, vitamins and minerals like it should. And so what I'm hearing is that adding fermented food could really help, you know, give your body some some real nutrient-dense 
um, nutrition. So I want to challenge everyone listening to go out and pick up some sauerkraut the next time that they go to the grocery store. But what about us, uh, Summer, that would be kind of interested in dabbling with making our own sauerkraut? Do you have any research, uh, resources for that? I do, yeah. Actually, you know, when you look at uh, some of the research that's come out, they've shown that one pint, a 16-ounce jar of sauerkraut is equivalent to eight bottles of probiotic pills. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right? So this is huge, huge, huge amount of probiotics in sauerkraut. So um, what's even cooler is that you can make it on your own. It's very easy to make. So you can actually turn your kitchen into a probiotic factory um, <laughs> very easily. And, yeah, so I do. I have a video series, and I teach people how to make their own sauerkraut. It's called Making Fermented Veggies at Home. And it's a three-part video series. And, you know, it's it's a pretty minimal cost. But what you get with it is you get a, a whole demonstration of me showing you how to make it. And then I have a whole behind-the-scenes, like a science behind-the-scenes video talking about what bacteria are present, how they ferment. I mean, it's for, for people who want to understand that next level, it's actually really probably my favorite part of it. Um, and then I have another one where I talk about what what disasters can happen, like how to prevent it from from being um, something that would cause harm to anybody. Because I think that's one of the biggest fears when it comes to making these kinds of things. It's like you might get really excited and then you make it and then you go to eat it and you're like, wait a minute, this has been sitting <laughs> on my counter for like two weeks. That's basically not a good idea to eat anything that's been sitting on the counter for two weeks. And then most people throw it away. So I have a whole video talking about like, how to how to tell whether it's good, whether it's bad, how to not poison your family, how to make a really safe product that you know is safe and you can tell. And then I have tons of handouts with it and things like that, recipes, all of that stuff. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I am definitely going to look definitely take your your video course. Um and I think I'll I'll post about it for anyone else that's interested in learning more about how to make their own fermented veggies like under the, the interview um, on the, the PCOS Viva page. And Summer, tell us what you, um, you know, how we can reach you and if we're interested in some of your other programs. Or maybe you could even just give us a quick overview of what other programs you offer. I know I mentioned them in the beginning of the, our conversation um, in the intro, but just give us a quick overview and, and how we can reach you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the best place to reach me is to go to summerbock.com, and um, that's B-O-C-K. So there I actually have a uh, a whole PDF that you can download called, you know, the top fermented, uh, excuse me, the top recommended fermented food. And this is all about what I talked about today about sauerkraut and how much and how to go shop for it. So you can go there and download that PDF. Um, but I also have a number of video series. I'm super into making videos and <laughs> talking to people about uh, the stuff that I'm passionate and fascinated by. Uh, so I have a whole series on the gut rebuilding. I talk more about the human sewer and more things that you can do to rebuild the gut, like just some little tips and tricks that you can do right now to help, you know, feed those probiotics. Um, I do have a video series for the fermentation and certification program as well. So if that's something that resonates with anybody and they want to think about doing fermented foods at a deeper level, you can go check that out. So this, uh, all of these links are at summerbox.com. Great. Well, Summer, I'm so thankful that you uh, joined me today and uh, shared your 
vast knowledge of fermented foods. And what an exciting um, field to be in with all of this new research coming out about gut health. It's I find it so fascinating. Yeah, it's it's been a really wild ride over the past few years because now it's just taking off. People are so excited. But, you know, I'm I'm really honored that you invited me to be on this interview because I just knowing what I know about PCOS, I think that this is a really great, you know, angle for a lot of people. I think there's some people out there with PCOS who are going to find that this is this is their place. This is their angle of healing. Yeah, and I, you know what? I have a jar. I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say I do have a jar of sauerkraut Bubby's um, brand sauerkraut mm-hmm. sitting in my fridge, and it's unopened. And you know what? I think I'm going to go open it up after we get off of the call and have a couple of forkfuls. So, well, can um, I clarify though about Bubby's sauerkraut? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to put them on trial here, but they uh, that is a pa- they flash pasteurize that. Oh, all right, so, so that's not what I should be eating then. It's not the one that you should be eating for the probiotic content. When you eat okay. Bubby's sauerkraut, it does taste good. It still will help with a little bit. It has some of the lactic acid in it, so some of that natural antibiotic effect will happen. But just to be clear, it doesn't have the live probiotics, which is so crucially important in this conversation. Okay, really good to know. So um, I'm going to go back to Whole Foods and take a look at the shelf and see what else they have available. Um, but I'm going to start adding that to my, my day, and I hope that everybody listening will too. And thanks again, Summer, and thank you for listening. Until next time.